love. We've talked about it so much, and I just want to share some thoughts. The latest thought that came in my mind about love was this whole thing of the year 2020. Who in some ways has, has had the best year of their life? Raise your hand. If this has kind of been the best year you remember in a long, long time, all right? Okay, some, so it's not everybody's had a terrible year. And I was driving here today, and I thought, what are we going to remember about 2020? In a lot of ways, 2020 brought our vision back. Amen. In 2020, we're going to remember that we got to see things, some things as they really are, see, see things that we never believed would happen, all right? It's just really interesting, but if you're like me, what I learned in 2020 is how a lot of the stuff I did before I really don't need to do now. You know, a whole lot of things that occupied my life, meeting expectations of others, you know, and, and I understand being a pastor, someone gets a sniffle, they want the pastor to come, but it's been kind of nice not to be barred from uh, hospitals. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, I don't, I'm, I guess this is a confession, but 2020's brought some clarity and things, and I think it's helped my eyesight to see things, how precious it is just to have time on the farm, Amen. just to not be off hustling and running and running here and there, so... 2020, this morning, we're going to talk about love. The first week in Advent, you remember Mac came. And uh, Mac Vaughn, he was the retired uh, Methodist preacher, and he brought us a message of hope. And basically, the idea of hope, and this was a little bit backwards because our hope really comes from our faith. Mac read from us Habakkuk and read all those scriptures where Habakkuk, the prophet, saying, God, are you not seeing the stuff going on in society? That's what he was saying. God, are you not seeing these injustices? I'll make it personal. God, are you not seeing buildings burning down in major cities in the United States? God, are you not seeing people doing by hook or crook things that we never dreamed would happen? By hook or crook. And, and, and in Habakkuk, Habakkuk comes and he says, basically at the end, hey, write it down and don't forget it. That's, that's what Mac showed us. Write it down, and he says, out in big block letters. This is out of the message that's a paraphrase. So it can be read on the run. So you read this thing on the run. What is it that we write down in, in big letters is that we have hope. We do not, as believers, have a life of no hope. We're told, in, even in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, where they're inquiring about those that die in Christ, it says, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Okay. Why do we have hope? Because Jesus is coming again. Because Jesus loved us and he saved us. And he has a plan and a purpose, Travis, and a place for you. And that's what Travis was saying today is, I found a place where I know God wants me, okay? Then, Kelton gave us an inspiring sermon. Thank you, Kelton. And basically what Kelton said in this sermon was that faith is believing that God is who he says he is, Aaron. Believing that he will do what he says he will do and living your life out as though you believe that. Okay, that's the basis you form your life on, Mike, is that I believe God is who He says He is. I will believe His Word says what it says, and that He will do what He says He'll do. And it's in that faith, really, in knowing that God is sovereign for me that brings me hope. You know, when I see events that have happened in the last, well, just since the election, I can feel hopeless. But when I have faith that God is sovereign because He says that He is, then I have hope. Amen? Right. And then last week, Chad McMillan, my cousin, my friend, Pastor Chad, came and he gave us 10 great points to experience peace in our lives. And the theme of the day was this. 
These things I have spoken to you. And who is saying this, Judy? Jesus. Jesus is saying, these things I have spoken to you. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. So that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So let's don't be uh, surprised when we have tribulation. And I wrote some of you ladies letters and I wrote one of them about the tribulations she's gone through and how I've watched her go through these tribulations. And it's a great strengthening testimony to me, sometimes with no words spoken, but I take note. You understand? And that's how we're encouraged when we see others exercising their faith. And then today, what we're going to look at is this. When Jesus, and don't answer this if you're a uh, PhD that is writing a Bible commentary. All right. How is it that people can figure out if we're Christians? What kind of doctrine do we need to have for him, people to know that we're Christians? So the way we act. So you really think. So if I go do certain things, favorable, wait a minute. Uh, Y'all, there's, there's a characteristic that Jesus talked about specifically. And he said, by this, everybody is going to know that you're my disciples. It's, it's the secret here. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you believe in a premillennial approach to Jesus coming in. Did he say that? No. Did he say if you have this and this belief about baptism? No. He said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you blank one another. Love. Love one another. All right? It's not if you cheat one another or get the best side of a deal or this kind of thing. And there's two kinds of love that are going on. Love that we receive from God and learning how to receive that love from God when we're forgiven. Some of us can never forgive ourselves, you know. So we have to learn how to forgive God. I mean, how to receive God's forgiveness. And then secondly, we have to learn how to love others. Because many of us are carrying around giant invisible bags behind us that are kind of like, remember Marley's change in, in the Christmas carol, he comes in in this ponderous chain that he's pulling. We carry these giant bags behind us filled with the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups, okay, of where we got wounded as children or where we got wounded as young adults or in, in a prior marriage or by a business partner. We haul these wounds around and we have to learn how to get beyond those hurts to love others. We really do. And it's a healing that only Jesus can do in our hearts. He said, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So the question today is we're going to look at is what does it really mean to love? How do you love? What are the greatest commandments? We have all these commandments and I'm assuming we want to be obedient or we wouldn't be here this morning studying God's word or we got dragged in here somehow. So how do we keep these commandments? How do we keep the commandments that are so important? Because, as Jana pointed out, they will know we are Christians by our love. And some of us who were alive in the 1970s, Rebecca Stratton, you weren't. Your daddy and me and others who followed Jesus at that time sang a song called Pass It On. And we're going to talk about that song in a minute, okay? And some of y'all may remember this. So let's start with an interesting statement by Paul, and let's read it together, Galatians 5.22, with me. Read it now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such these things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. May God bless this reading of His Word. So Paul is talking about, remember when we studied Galatians right before we got off into spiritual warfare? And we looked in that last, that, that fifth chapter of Galatians, and it talked about how the deeds of the flesh are evident because they're blank, 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 this whole list of deeds, okay? And then Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, that means if you're not being ruled by your old sin nature, by the old man within you, but you're ruled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to have certain fruit that is evident in your life. And I do not think it's a coincidence that when Paul wrote this letter, he started with love. Because if you don't have love right, Larry, nothing else can flow from it. Amen. If you think about that, it's the logical flow going from love, and out of love then comes joy, right? Because if you're not embittered against others, there's some joy in your heart. If you've overcome those hurts, habits, and hang-ups that I talked about. And then comes peace. Once you've loved others, and once you've experienced these things, then you experience this peace that Chad talked about last week. And then it goes on into other things. Then that's kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And we talked about all those things. So when you see a person that's not, when a person's out of control, that is the flesh operating. That is not the Holy Spirit, okay? When you see a person that lacks, for a moment maybe, because we all do, kindness, then they're not operating through the Holy Spirit. They're operating in the flesh. And this, this should convict all of us because there's things on that list that we go, gosh, I can be patient, but just not with that person. <laughs> it doesn't say that in there. It doesn't say, and you're going to be patient with just certain people, right? So we learn to be patient. And when we came to the Lord, we've crucified the flesh with its passion. So this part of us, this, this old sin nature, it's, it's, we've said, Lord, crucify it with you. Put it there on the cross. So we start off this discussion this morning where I'm just saying it all flows out of love. It is the dominant theme, okay, really, of the Bible, if you think about it, is that God loved us. And even while we were yet sinners, Christ came, and that was God in the flesh, and He died for us. So the theme is love. So how can we get this thing, love, more understood? It's so weird and evasive. In the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, what we now call Deuteronomy chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter 6, we have what's called the Shema Yisrael. Shema means hear. It's a command to hear. And this was the command, and Jesus repeated it later, you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Okay, it's the Shema Israel. You'll get this whole, well, I'm sorry, you don't get email. I forgot. You'll get this whole sermon later in writing. And that is a picture of it right now at the Knesset Menorah in Jerusalem. The Knesset is like their Congress, okay? So this is the heart of it all. And there's a lawyer that we're going to read about, and I love to see lawyers in the, I love the lawyers. I love them. They're great. He'll come to Jesus and he's quizzing him. Really, he's trying to cross-examine him. And he's trying to put him under the pressure and try to make him say the wrong thing, okay? And Jesus says the whole right thing. And it just brings it all back to love. It's confusing in English. If I say to my, 
you all, man, I love my wife, Sandy. And guys, I love salmon. It's kind of confusing in English, isn't it? You know, I love my son. And I love Blue Bell ice cream. I love Larry, okay? And what's, what's strange about that is English is not very accurate compared to some of the other languages, okay? And in Greek, there's many different ways to say the word love depending on what kind of love we're talking about. There's eros. That's where we get the word erotic. You can imagine what kind of love that is, okay? That's the, the passions that we feel physically for another human. That's attraction that's inexplicable, okay? And uh, that's where you say, oh, God, I just love that girl, all right? And you desire to be with her. And then brotherly love, phileo, phileo, that's where we get the word Philadelphia, okay? Phileo is devotion and affection, and it's looking out for the welfare of others. When you have a true friend, they look out for your welfare. When I spend time with Larry, because I phileo Larry, I love him with a brotherly love. He's like a brother to me. And I want all the best for Larry. And when Larry does well, I don't feel jealous. I don't get upset. I'm, I'm thrilled for Larry. I encourage him on to be all he can be. Do you all hear what I'm saying? That is true phileo. And that's kind of the love that we're to have inside of this church for one another. Just desire the best for each other, okay? Doesn't mean we don't get crosswise. I've seen so many crosswise this year in this little four walls, and I think it goes on in every church. Somebody's upset because somebody said that they needed to go on a diet or whatever. All right? We say dumb stuff too, don't we, that we regret, regret later. So that's, uh, you can fill that in. I love, and that's what I say, I love Larry, okay? You can fill in other names. In other languages, it's really interesting because they have a clue about the egocentric. That means the selfishness of, of love, okay, or liking. And I say this a lot. Y'all will hear me say, I don't, you'll never hear me say, yeah, I like that person. To like is kind of a selfish thing. You can't see it till you see it in another language. If I say, me gusta bluebell, all right, we just translate that, I like bluebell, all right? But what it really says in Spanish is, bluebell pleases me. It makes it all about me, right? Isn't that interesting? And so when I hear like, and it's probably because of the other languages I've studied, I think of, what pleases me? That guy pleases me, okay? So I kind of just avoid that like thing, and it's probably because of the languages that I know. How about this in Spanish? Yo te quiero. That's how you say, I love you. You know what it really says? I want you. That's kind of self-centered, isn't it? Making people squirm, all right? But you don't realize this unless you know other languages, all right? I don't know how it is in Russian. It's maybe a similar kind of a thing where something pleases me. Me, me, me. What do we hear in that? Me, 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 right? And then like in, in Gaelic, I've told you all, Ismailam Bradan, all right? That means literally, Salmon is good with me. So if I say I like something, I'm really saying it's good with me. It's all about me. And my Gaelic teacher actually taught me, he said, Irish is a very self-centered kind of a language. When you do directions, it's always from yourself. It's kind of strange. But So Salmon is good with me. But God-like love is what's called agape love. And it says, I love you unconditionally. So when God loved you, Devin Johnson, Judy Walker, Frank Villarreal, whoever's in here, Betty Roke, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. When he said, I love you, he's saying, I love you without qualifications. 
That is such a relief, isn't it? He loves me just because He loves me. And then Scripture tells me we love Him because He first loved us. In spite of being ourselves. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about my journey in love. So hearing Jesus' words, this Shema, I was at St. Thomas Episcopal School where I went, and I was in chapel service, and I've told this story to some of you all. I wasn't Episcopalian. I was this, you know, evangelical kid that went there because it was a great education. And the priest got up, and he said, he would start the morning worship, and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I had been seeking the Lord for about six months. And Lynn, the Holy Spirit fell on me. I was a 15-year-old selfish guy that thought I was the captain of the soccer team because I almost was, and the head of the bagpipe band because I almost was, that I was really something. And God told me, you are in love with nobody but Favor McMullen. So it's interesting to me because I really came to faith through the Shema Israel. Isn't that interesting? And then I fell in love with this beautiful woman here, and we got married, and for 15 years, I hate to admit, my love was more selfish than it is these days. Sometimes she's crossing her hands, still doesn't believe me. <laughs> but, but it was about me and what I could get out of it, and I felt like I wouldn't get anything out of it, and I would get frustrated, and there was too much stuff left on the countertop, okay, and I didn't like the way she squeezed the toothpaste. It, 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 I'm, I'm making a joke there. But I'm saying you can find any reason to be unhappy with the one you're with. You really can. And I kind of did. And after 15 years, I was worn out. And you know what? She was worn out. And uh, I think, I don't know who said it first, but one of us said, man, I'm not getting out of this marriage what I thought I was going to. Either she said it first or I said it, but the other said amen. <laughs> Meaning we were both feeling that. And that's because the love had been conditional and it had been center focused on me and my needs and wants and desires, okay? And I read a couple of books to get my head screwed back on straight and stop worrying so much about all that stuff, okay? And begin to pour myself into her and encourage her and try to help her be all that she was to be. I stopped trying to change, all right? I stopped trying to gain the advantage, all right? I got up this morning and I watched Billy Joel sing on YouTube that thing about loving. He says, don't go changing to try to please me. I'll take you just the way you are. And I'm sure Larry knows every word of it. And I read it through and that's kind of what God does. God loves us just the way we are, but then we love him so much we want to change. Okay. He doesn't love us because we've changed. He loves you just the way you are. All right. And then you love him so much back because it says in the word that we love him because he first loved us that you say, Lord, I want to change to please you. And it's this change that's out of love. Isn't that exciting? Instead of this burden love where I've got to white knuckle this and be just the way he wants me to be. That's right. And I began to try to love others and I asked the Lord to give me a gift of love. And I think to some degree he has, and some of y'all comment on this, to love people unconditionally. Y'all go, how can you stand this person? I'm not sure I can stand them, but I love them. I love them just the way they are, and I see maybe what God can do in their lives to make them different, okay? And we get disappointed when we do that. We will pour ourselves into people. 
and we will do this for them and that for them. And then we'll see them go crash burn and fall off a uh, walk the plank. We go, don't walk the plank. Don't do it. Don't do it. And they fall in. We see sharks eat them. Has anybody ever helped anybody in here who you've watched them then self-destruct? Okay. If you haven't, then you're not really helping many people. <laughs> because if you help anybody, pretty soon you're going to see them self-destruct, right? But you never let that stop you from helping people. We've had folks come through here who we've tried to help, and we've seen them crash burn and they've left, you know what? Let's do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And you leave the rest to God. Amen, Lynn? That is what love is about, guys. And that is what is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's all about love. The whole thing is about love. The Bible is about love. God is about love. And it said in, in the Old Testament, the word, they use two words, ahava, okay? And they use the word chesed, which means mercy. And then when the Jews translated those into Koine Greek, because they couldn't hardly read Hebrew anymore, they ended up with the word agape. And agape is not the kind of love that I have for Sandy. I mean, not as a husband and a wife, not the kind of love I have for my brother, but it's the kind of love that God has for us when he loves us unconditionally. And it is the call that he puts in each of our hearts to love one another with this kind of love. Is it easy? Not really, not if we do it in human terms, but if we let the Holy Spirit take control of us and we surrender to the Holy Spirit, our burden becomes His. Amen. Ours is light, okay? Amen. Because we're double yoked with Him. If Cassandra or Gita were here today, we'd tell, tell us about hitching up two animals together. Well, you've been a horse person. Judy, did you ever drive teams? When you drive a team, I have. When you drive a team... I have a team of mules. One of them always is pulling more than the other. You get them in there, you think, why won't they pull together? You know, they just don't. And the one that does the pulling, in our case, is Jesus. We're hanging back because we just don't have it in us to love that person. And he says, come on, we're going to do it. And the Holy Spirit prompts you to love people that shocks even you. Yes. <laughs> in your selfish self, okay? It's like back when I was at First Baptist, I... God bless Sam Cook. He went to be with the Lord this year. He used to say, just give till it hurts. And some of y'all knew Sam. You did, Kathy. And I said to him, no, one time, Sam, I said, don't give till it hurts. Give till you just shock yourself. <laughs> and then you go, wow, that was the Holy Spirit because I'm just too selfish to do that kind of thing. All right? And we begin to love unconditionally. I just have this because it was interesting. Uh, I had asked a couple of scholars to tell me whether... Ahava was then changed to uh, agape, and it was. If you look at that second line on the right, see where it says, you shall love? That says agapeses in Greek, all right? And that means you will love. So it's that word agape in there. That's all I'm showing y'all. This is the translation of Deuteronomy into Greek. Y'all follow me? I just want you to show you that those, those, those uh, Hebrew concepts came into the Greek language where we read it through this word agape. So what is this agape kind of love? People are being alienated from one another right now in our society because of selfishness. They are. We are more divided than ever, and most of it is because of selfishness. People in the name of sharing and wanting things to be peaceful on earth are going and burning down buildings and, and pulling over statues and doing insane, crazy stuff, okay? 
Look at what's being done and not what's being said. Because actions speak louder than words always. Your, your grandma should have taught you that if you didn't learn it. Okay? There's great division. So we need as believers not to compromise our faith, but to be very careful in how we present it. Okay? Do it lovingly, but don't back up from what we believe. Because at the end of the day, what do we believe? We believe that love is the most important thing. That's what we believe. Okay? And we're, we're going to take care of I thought of that too. I, I watched this show where these kids were being questioned by these, uh, or being taught by these spiritual leaders. Early this morning, I got up and saw it on Breitbart. And it came out and they were saying, they were asking the kids, who all has heard that Jesus was a socialist, for example? And all the kids raised their hand, and the, and the guy said, well, no, he wasn't. He's, he's telling you to love the Lord with all of your heart. He doesn't say make society love the Lord with all their heart. It's always about you personally where the Lord is wanting to do a work in your heart, which changes you individually, where you then go and share the light. It's not about you getting others to be forced to do what you yourself ought to be doing. You follow me? And so it was really a fascinating thing. So agape, this love, this giving, I like to call it giving, because I don't think you can do much love without giving of yourself. And I always tell you all that, your time, talents, and treasures. Okay? Uh, it's doing it in an unselfish way, without expectation. Those motivations and emotions that come with the old man always want something in exchange. They motivate us to go do for others and love others, really and truly for what we can get. And it's ugly when you see it, but many do, quote, Christian works, really, because they want to have a good trade. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to do this, this, and this. I did all this stuff for the church. And look, nobody did anything for me, or no one will come now and tie my shoelace for me, or whatever the thing is. Well, why were you motivated to do what you did anyway? So today I want you to leave here with this thing of where you say, I want to have this God kind of love, this agape kind of love within me, where I dare to love others unconditionally, where I dare to love others without expectation. Can, do you all hear what I'm saying? Where I see this thing clear with the eyes of 2020, where I'm loving as God loved me, okay? We don't change, as I said, so that God will love us. We change because, because God does love us. That popped into my head last night. I just thought, I don't change so he'll love me. I change because I do love him. Agape, this is out of Wikipedia. It's a great scholarly work. It's unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. It goes beyond emotions to the extent of seeking the best for others. I'm looking after others. That is agape love. It's done without condition. It's done without expectation. It's hard to love somebody without expectation. You know, I want to say to my wife, well, I squeeze the toothpaste right, so do this for me. You know, I mean, just making up a crazy example. But we've got to love one another without this expectation or it gets cheapened. It gets lessened. Then if I can be so uh, crass to maybe mix languages here, what it says is, for God so agape, meaning loved unconditionally the world, that he gave his only son, that's where giving is tied to this loving, okay, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you have agape for one another, that you love one another, okay, as I have loved you. 
And then he tells us greater agape, greater unconditional love, has no man had unless he lays down his life for a friend. What we see now in this world is people going, will you lay down your life for me? Okay? And really, we're to lay down our life for them. That is true love, when we lay down our life for a friend. Love is an action. Love is not a feeling. Yes, I felt butterflies when I first met Sandy. Yes, I could hardly breathe for a month when she, I was in her presence, okay? That was not love. That was a great thing. And I remember it, and it was fun. But gosh, I'd be dead if I'd had to live through a few years of that. You know, <laughs> kind of Hollywood love, right? Uh, you can't eat, you can't sleep. All I could do is think about her, all right? And when I was going to be with her again. Can't live like that for years and decades. But real love is when we just say, you know what? I'm going to love this person. I'm going to give to him unconditionally. I'm not going to expect. I'm going to pour myself into them, help them do, be all that they can be. And it is an action. It is not just a feeling. Love is something you do. I'm not going to name names. I'll just say, Sandy, love is something you do. Favor, love is something you do. I can say it to other old-timers, sorry, Mike and Audrey. Love is something you do. I don't want someone to run off and be mad because I pointed them out. But y'all stuck together as long as you have. How many years are you together? Fifty-five. Wow. I think you got everybody in the church beat. Fifty-five is a long time, y'all. Obviously, love is something y'all have done. Can y'all amen that as a congregation? All right. And they're still smiling. It's not like they're just... Yeah. They ride around in their old cars together hugging. Maybe smooching down here on 324. We don't know what y'all are doing. You're out riding around an awful lot. Yeah. So how does this thing of God's love get into us? And then how does it get spread? It begins with a spark. Who has heard this song? Wayne and Sandy are the only ones that have heard this. You can sing with me, both of y'all. It goes like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread His love to everyone. You want to pass it on. Together again. I wish for you, my friends, this happiness that I found. You can depend on Him, not God. It matters not where you're bound. Come on, Wayne and Sandy. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. Praise God. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. Isn't that sweet? We sang that a million times back in college. Did you, Judy? Yeah, you did. Anyway, guys, it only takes a spark. And some of y'all might be at the point where really you just feel the spark. Like Travis did just eight years ago when he said, I feel the spark that God does love me and that I have a hunger in me for Him. He told us his testimony how he kind of first just sort of made this confession of faith because the guy said you need to get saved say these words and he said them. I and he said then I was off on a retreat of what was it guns and 
man camp. You know, bows and arrows and guns and camping. And he said God got a hold of his heart and broke his heart. And then he gave his heart truly to the Lord. All right? It, it just starts with a spark to get a fire going. Guys, let the spark catch on. Don't hold grudges. I just so wish that some were here to hear this. Don't hold grudges. Life, it's not worth it. All right? When you give and you expect a return, it's an investment. It's not giving. All right? When you give and don't expect anything back, that's called love. All right? Scripture tells us that God Himself is love. God is perfect. All right? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit and submitted to the Holy Spirit in a tiny way, we can be an expression of that godly love to others. And I know you do that a lot, Judy. I watch you. Kathy, you as well, with her dozens of... She'll be ahead of the cookie committee when she gets to heaven. Kathy, just don't ask him too many questions when you get to heaven. All right? She says she'll do her best. And guys, I'm going to tell you this morning that the more you fall in love with God, the more He will love others through you. Fall in love with Him and you'll find yourself loving others in ways that even surprise you. You go, wow, I did this? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. The Holy Spirit of God's gotten a hold of you. All right? And then, don't be confused by this thing called love. It's not a feeling. It's not what the world tells us it is. It is an action. God showed His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. And I looked at this today. I thought this was great. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. This is all kind of difficult language. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. Okay, It's talking about Jesus dying on the cross. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This congregation has two kinds of people in it. Either slaves or former slaves. If you're a former slave, you know you were a slave because you were a slave here into certain things. And when the Holy Spirit of God came in you on March the 15th, right here when we all watched, it freed you. And we saw it free him and he testified to it and it's real. You are no longer a slave. You're now in that group that's a former slave. You have to get to the point of being a former slave to really love yourself, I think. Because when we're a slave to these weird things, we kind of hate ourselves in a way. And so once you're a former slave, you then are able to love yourself. And remember what Jesus said? Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. So as I said from Galatians 5, it starts with love. And I think probably starts with loving yourself, accepting God's love for you, realizing, yes, you're imperfect. You've got problems. You've got hurts. You've got habits. You've got hang-ups. But He loves you in spite of all of that. Okay? Amen. And He's a healer. Larry sings that song about the healer. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Who in here wants to love him? He says, keep my commandments. Then you go, well, what is he commanding me to do? He told you. What did he say to that precious lawyer? But when the Pharisees, read with me, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. They, 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 he got their attention, okay? And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, 
with all of your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Guys, it's all about love. It really is. We get it so complicated. We talk about all that. Larry and I often talk about how complicated people make it. But it begins by being his disciple, Betty, by loving him with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and then loving your neighbor, which includes those inside of these walls and outside, as you love yourself. And, and learning to love yourself. It is, but it's so complicated because that self gets in the way. So my encouraging word to you today as we get, march forward to Christmas Eve is that submit and surrender like you talked about, like you talked about, and say, Lord, take this mess I've made of things and make it right. And he will. And, and say, Lord, thank you that you love me in spite of who I am. So I'm going to pray now if you don't know him and you are a slave and you want to be a former slave, you can say, Lord, I cry out to you and I receive this gift of Jesus. Lord, I receive this sacrifice that you made for me. Lord, I had so many problems and so much brokenness. And Lord, you are the great healer. So Lord, I give you myself. I accept your work on the cross. And Lord, I praise you that I will live with you for eternity and glory. And Lord, teach me today to love like you loved me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Larry, yeah, why don't you, I, I hear a song coming on.